Parsha Themes is for inspired people like you who are looking for engaging and relevant Parsha and Moedim thoughts. Our weekly discussions focus on uplifting thoughts and actionable ideas that will upgrade your Avodah Hashem and enhance your Shabbos and Yantav table. I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Tropper, and it's an honor to have you with me here today. Welcome to Parsha's Korach. We have the story that Moshe says in Perak Tezayim Pasaglamid, says to Hashem, V'mbriya yivra Hashem, patsa adama pia. The land will open up and swallow in Korach and his followers. So Rashi says, Amr Moshe, Baruch Hu, he brings it down in partial, but the Gemara and Sanhedrin, Kuf Yud is the source. And Bria Gehenim Mutav, if, if Gehenim's already around, great. Vimlav Yivra Hashem, if not, create something new, which is an amazing thing. Moshe understood that, that this um, challenge against Hashem's Torah uh, is, not, is not sustainable. So there's a famous Gemara about Gehenim, which is interesting. I want to, two Ha'aras of the Vilna Gon about Gehenim. The Gemara Chagiga Daf Chav Zayin says, Ravo says in the name of Rabbi Lazar, that the fire of Gehenna will not will not impact them. It's a Kabbalah from Salamander. We know that the Salamander is immune to fire. So so too uh, the Gemara brings a Kabbalah that certainly the Tzadikim are immune to fire, and we know that, that means that their that their Torah protects them. And we'll say more about that in a minute. Rish Lakish says that the the light of the fire of Gehenim will not impact Poshi Yisrael. And it's a Kabbalah from Mizbeach Hazav that uh, they are they have even Poshi Yisrael are filled with mitzvos, and therefore they're certainly protected, just like the Mizbeach Hazav is, was protected miraculously. So the Gra says, "Wait a minute. So then, what's the difference between the Melachachavim and the Poshi Yisrael? They're both protected from Gehenim. What's going on?" So the Gra says, "No, it's like this: that the Salamander is totally." Re- it totally repels and is immune to, to all flame. So therefore, the flames of Gehenna wouldn't hurt the tzaddik at the least bit. It just it bounces right off. Whereas the uh, Poshi Yisrael, the difference is that, yes, they have a certain form of protection. Their mitzvahs and their Torah is Megan and Matzil. It's true. Like Hazal say, that's the power of Torah. But there's still a tremendous pain and a burning that's felt. It's true. It doesn't destroy them. And eventually they can step out of it. But it is a tremendously painful event. That's the growth. So what does that mean? So the Gemara said, the Stipler the, um, brings down a Chazal. And this is brought down in a lot of Sfarim. It's, uh, I believe it's a Talmud's Be'elio. And Rav Chaim Velazhin explains this as well. The Stipler brings this down in Chayolam. He says, And this is not pushing suicide, God forbid. If someone wants to not die, he should kill himself before he dies. And then he'll be dead and he won't die. <laughs> So the Sibler explains, based on the context and based on Chazal, what's the Pshat? The Pshat is like this, that there's a certain amount of suffering every person has to have in their in their life. Hashem wants us to have suffering to perfect us, to teach us that this Olam Hazah is not the only thing, and that we're aiming towards a future world. But if a person inflicts it on himself, or a person stubs his toe, that's the creed. But if a person goes out and hurts himself, he doesn't have a right to do that. And if he hurts himself physically, he'll get punished for hurting himself, too. That's like what Victor Miller said. The punishment for going outside without a coat is, God forbid, a person gets sick. I, you're going to say it's cause and effect. No. Even if Hashem was nigzer, but he shouldn't get sick, the fact that he used his bechira to go outside, he gets punished with sickness. Anyway, so how do you punish yourself legally? So the answer is that any Torah you learn with Mesir Snefesh, that pain that you suffer actually takes away your avarice. And not only that, anytime you're Mavater, someone hurts you, and you're Mavater, that, that is Kapara Savonis. So, now we don't know how much Hashem decreed we should have and how much is being forgiven, but that's a shot. If someone wants to 
not die, doesn't want to suffer, doesn't want to have any pain, then he should be Mamis Atzmo on Torah. That's what it says. That the way to acquire Torah is to kill yourself over it, literally. And it means that a person's mysterious nevish and pain and suffering in, in struggling to figure out the suga because it bothers him and in being embarrassed because he says the wrong pshat, like Mephibosheth would embarrass his, his Rebbe because he, he would upshlag him. That pain and suffering combines and it helps protect you. So that's a pshat, why the Aura of Gehenim is like the salamander because the tzaddik Hashem says, you already lived your life suffering. You live with poverty sometimes. You live with pain. You live being looked down upon. You live being mavater. So you already got all your pain and suffering in this world. So there's no point of Gehenna hurting you because there's nothing for it to burn out. It burns imperfection. You already burned out the imperfection. That's the pshat. Masha Enkem, the, the Russia, or the, or the Poshe Yisrael, so fine, he understood Torah mitzvahs, and he has zechuyas, but he still needs to burn a little to get all that imperf- imperfection out of him because he's not going to appreciate the kedusha, the holiness. He has a cataract; it has to be removed. It's a, it's a it's a painful surgery. He has a a tumor; it has to be removed. It's a painful surgery, but th- that's because in his lifetime he never used the opportunity fully to remove it, and so therefore there's going to be pain. So there's a big difference, and that's just a fascinating thing. The second are from the gra, and and just to explain that more. In life, we have to understand that whenever something happens that's hurtful, painful, someone hurts us, or we're being most nefesh for Torah, we should realize that the Rebbe Shalom is behind it, and that he knows and he's well aware of all the pain, any amount of pain that we're going through. The second thing from the Grah is that in the Sefer Reishas Chachma by Rav Elio Vidash, he was a Talmud of the Moshe Cordoviro in the 1500s Svat. Moshe Cordoviro was a Chavrusa of the Arizal and a big Mekubal. And Rav Elio Vidash... Uh, wrote a phenomenal sefer, and he has in there Masechus Gehenim, and it's based on Chazal, which we don't really have it anywhere else. Um, uh, the Baal Reishas Chachma brings down some of this as well. He has sefer Gehenim, and Masechus Gehenim, and it talks about the pain and suffering of Gehenim, Kafakela, what all these things are. And the Grah one time gave a drasha to his Talmidim, and he explained in detail Gehenim, and one of his Talmidim got so sick over it that he ended up in bed with uh, a very, very bad illness, and the doctors weren't sure if he was even going to make it. And he recovered, but he was still recuperating a little bit in bed. And the Grah came to visit him, and he got very nervous when his rebbe was coming because he knew the Grah was big tzaddik, and he was afraid what what the Grah was going to say. And the Vilna Gaon said to him, "My dear Talmud, I want to tell you something." He said, "If I had the opportunity, I would give that speech all over again. I would." And the Talmud got very nervous. Oh no, like rebbe, I can't handle it. But he said, I'll tell you what, there's one thing that I didn't clarify, and I would have said this more, more clearly. And that is that you should know with all that Gehenim is, with all the pain and suffering and horrific regret that we have for the Averis that we did, where we could fix it with our Bechira now, but in the future we can't go back and fix it. There's one thing I would add, and that is that you don't realize how much pain and suffering in this world erases and eradicates your Gehenim. And that you have to recognize, that anytime anything happens, there's a Rebona Shalom who's guiding the world and who's watching and who takes away from your pain and suffering based on the pain and suffering you have in this world. These are tremendous and powerful thoughts that really stir up our soul if we think about them and change the perspective on any suffering we go through in this world. The Mishnah Perkyavos tells us, makes a comment that brings in the story of Moshe and Korach. And the Vilna Gon has a penetrating question there I want to share. Mishnah and Pirkei Avos, Perik, hey, Mishnah, it's usually uh, Tess Zion or Yud Zion. It says, Machlokas between Shammai and Hill, that's a Machlokas Hashem Shemayim, is so full of Skyim, it'll last. Uh, 
But the Machlokas, that's Shalol Shem Shemayim, like Korach, and, and his Adaso and his group, it doesn't say it's between Korach and Moshe, because Moshe wasn't involved in the fight. He was trying to make peace. Ain't it, it's, it seems, it's, it, it, the literal translation is, it will not last. Now, wh- what does that mean? Because, does that mean, see, sometimes we translate it as, um, if it's Machlokas Shem Shemayim, then it'll be successful. But if not, it'll be a failure. But that's not what it says. It says that if it's Machlokas Shem Shemayim for the right purposes, then it'll last. But if it's not for the right purposes, it's Shalol Shem Shemayim, it's for in- corrupt purposes, then it will not last. But what does that mean? What does that mean? So the only going says a very deep thing. He says that when you have a Machlokas that's Shalol Shem Shemayim, that has ill intent, so there's hidden agendas that are pushing the two people. Each one is claiming that they want something that's better for society or for the other person, but really they're pushing for their own selfish agenda. And so those type of fights, no one ever remembers what they're even fighting about. Take a family feud as an example. People start fighting, and someone said something offensive, and then they said something offensive back. And if you stop them and say, wait, what are you guys fighting about? Most people will not even remember the original fight. Take any two people that hate each other. Why are you fighting? Each one will be able to say back and forth, the fight just continues because each of them keep fighting. So, a machloga shalol shem shemayim takes on a life of its own and it just keeps continuing and exacerbating and changing into different fights and different permutations of negativity and, and new fights and new ideas. So think about it. Machogos Hashem Shemayim is you have two Rabbanim, Hillel and Shammai, who are arguing about a matter. And Shammai says it's allowed, or, and Hillel says it's not allowed. Or Shammai says you have to do this, and Hillel says you have to do that. And they're both arguing because they believe that's what the Torah says. It doesn't get personal. It doesn't get nasty. In fact, on the contrary, the Gemara says that they even accepted each other's sock when it came to marriage, the Gemara and Yuvamas, that Shammai held this person might be a momzer, according to me, or Hillel held this might be a momzer, and Shammai matered. And when it came to marriage, they were careful, and but they, 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 they according to some Rishonim, the way they read it is that they, they still married into one another. According to other ones, they, they held, they, they were just careful, but they were still respectful of one another. But Sophiliskayim means that when you have Machogos Hashem Shemayim, I hold Chayev, you hold Pater. But there's no ulterior motive. So that Machlokas will always remain because I hold this is what Hashem wants, you hold that's what Hashem wants. And that's fine. The Machlokas never changes. The point of contention is always very clear. But when it's Shalol Hashem Shemayim, when it's a dysfunctional fight, then the fight just keeps changing. So it's a new fight. It's not about what we're fighting about because we weren't fighting about ulterior things and important things. We were just fighting against each other and it just became personal. So now there's always one big mud pie being thrown against the other. And that's why it's the ain't so because the original fight falls into to the wayside and then the fight just keeps building on itself into other new ideas. And that is such a deep and profound lesson in life that when we're fighting, if we're fighting for the right reasons, then, then the issue is just the issue at hand and that's it. It doesn't become anything personal or nasty. It's just this is the issue at hand. I feel strongly about this for the right ulterior, for the right uh, altruistic reasons, and you feel that way, and fine. So we could still get along and understand that machlokas still remains, and it remains focused on that one item. But if it starts turning into a a a slapping fest and a and a vilification fest and a and a and a throwing mud at each other fest, and and the original fight is not even clear, it just permutates into its own uh, perverted, disgusting, despicable thing. That's not l'shem shemayim. The original fight is way over. 
It had nothing to do with that. It was just each person's ulterior motives and selfishness that were getting exacerbated and 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 splashed all over the place negatively. It's such a profound lesson in life to look at the things that we fight for passionately and the things that we can learn to be respectful towards others about. And how careful we have to be not to get engaged in the which just permutates and becomes a thing of itself, which is just so negative. Thanks for joining us. For more Torah content and to make sure you never miss an episode, don't forget to subscribe and visit us at parshathemes.com.